0: Hello, and we are live with the Art of Attraction with Domini Drew. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fantastic guest for you. We're gonna have a wonderful show. I'm really excited. Um, If this is your first time joining us, then by all means, welcome. My name is Domini Drew, and I am the uh, CEO, owner, founder, whatever. I am the Art of Attraction, uh, and I specialize in helping single men attract life partners through personal and relationship coaching. And if you're familiar with the show, you'll know that that often has very little to do with actual dating tactics or techniques and more to do with those deeper psychological and beyond uh, levels where we hold ourselves back from what we want, right? And that's what's really fascinates me. And I have this in common with my guest today. Um, you know, if, if your life isn't working out, why is that? If it's not, If it's not exactly what you want it to be, why is that? And what can you do to fix it? And there's a lot of people who talk about this and that can go from the sort of corporate or sports kind of coaching world all the way into the sort of metaphysical, spiritual world. And in my experience, I have found um, very high quality people on that entire spectrum and total bullshit on that entire spectrum as well. Um, and so it can be really easy, you know, coaching, oh, you know, think positively, sure. <clears throat> Thinking positively has a, a huge effect in your life, can make a big difference, can also be bs really easily and have very opposite effects. Um, and so what I really want to talk about uh, today is sort of how these processes actually work. Um, and so I am joined by Tracy Liv, who I'm just so excited. Tracy and I did a project uh, in France, which we can talk about a little bit later in this like chateau in France, where we were recording this, um, this sort of little reality docuseries for, uh, for singles. And we were coaches helping these singles go through, and she was really a pleasure to work with. So I'm going to read uh, her bio because it's, it's just so good. So Tracy Livingston Howard is the co-founder of Live Lit, a global company that supports business leaders, um, helping them to create outer success and live in their purpose through self-mastery and inner growth. She's an international speaker and conducts global one-to-one programs and events in Europe, Middle East, and North America. Her specialization transcends across the fields of coaching, psychology, communication, neuroscience, spirituality, conflict resolution, and entrepreneurship. She's an ICF associate uh, certified coach and has a master's degree in public policy and a bachelor's degree in psychology and political science. In her free time, Tracy enjoys running in the woods, writing in coffee shops, and hanging out with her husband, Chris, and one-year-old son, Liam. And I think we have another one on the way, right, Tracy? Yeah, another one on the way. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Dominique, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to what's going to come up today. Absolutely. We really like to just uh, freestyle. Tracy and I do. Um so let's just start because i I was starting what I tend to do is I kind of start speaking, and as I start speaking, I get these ideas and the direction comes. So I was really um just sort of starting to come out just in that intro there of like of of that the things that work versus the things that don't work and what the real difference is there because I think one of the things that you and I have in common, which I really like is, the, the legitimate measurable results, you know, instead of the sort of spiritual world of like, well, I see this in your aura and like this type of thing. I always use that tone. Like auras aren't fake. They just, it's just the people who talk about them tend to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I tend to get that sort of tone. Um, but, uh, but what is the difference Do you think when you work with a coach uh, who just is totally ineffective versus, but well-intentioned, obviously, versus a coach who can really get you the results?
1: Well, wow! Big question, an important question. um, You know, for, for everyone out there, this is something that I kind of contemplate regularly: is what makes a good coach? And you know, Dominique, I think I think the biggest thing is that first, coaching is all about the client. It's client led and driven. It's nothing to do with the coach. So our role is to ask questions. Our role is to dig deeper and call out. Be courageous to call out what we're seeing be really courageous to bring in, you know, you just listed all the modalities that I use. Um, It's really important that a coach comes first from an authentic place. Mm. Um, I've had really bad coaching, which just was mentoring in disguise. So the person said they had the way, the path they were going to show me. Um, I thought I was buying coaching, but I ended up buying mentoring um, and it fell on deaf ears. And I think if we would just dismantle what coaching is for, for a moment it's that an individual is having breakthroughs and realizations for themselves um, that is going to help them change their own life. And they're going to come up with their own solutions and ideas, and they're going to have their holy shit moments, and their oh my gosh, they're going, to have, they're going to sit there, and it's a good thing, and, and grow. Um, and I talked to you about this before we had the interview, that my whole work with self-mastery and inner growth is that our inner purpose on on earth is to awaken, is to become more conscious, to be more self-aware. And then with all of that awareness, we can then go create anything we want in our life. We can create outer success, the best relationships, loving relationships, but it comes with a degree of our inner awareness of knowing what we want and being able to, to show that outwardly. So a coach is just calling that out of us. Whereas a mentor says, I need to tell you my five steps follow this and you'll have the best relationship ever. But if the individual doesn't feel good on the way or if they're, st- they're running their own stories and they're holding themselves back with fear and limiting beliefs, there's no steps that are going to get them there. So I always say the coach is like the fast track to getting there. Um, that is just if finding someone that can hold that space is like perfect.
0: I love that so much. Um, primarily, and I think the, the reason why what you just said is true, because what you just said is very true. Um, the reason why people can't just follow the steps and get there. First of all, if everybody could do that, they would just read a self-help book and they would reach enlightenment or whatever level that is that they're, that they're seeking. So it's not that you don't even know what to do. The knowledge is everywhere. You could Google the knowledge. How do I you know, live with more gratitude? It's like there will be you know, probably millions of things out there that are teach you exactly how to do that. The question is, why can't you actually do it? What is it? Well, it's the behavior the change. Words.
1: Yes, because it's deeper it's, than that, it isn't it? It always comes down to the, beha- the behavioral change. And I, I just had a um, uh, training with um, conflict resolution for coaches. And I was training coaches in an advanced training on how to coach people through challenges, which is why people work with us. They're not working with us because everything's amazing. <laughs> maybe, but they're working with us because they're either trying to get to another level or they're, they're growing and they want that, that support. Um, and I said, look, you can't just listen to the mindset. You can't just get caught up in helping people change their beliefs. Cause if you can't change their behaviors, they're not going to come back and work with you. They need, we all need to see results and not the people listening are probably going to, I hope I can tell you some things that can help you start to change your behavior and actually make some momentum towards what you want, which potentially is a relationship or to just whatever your goal is. I would write it down. If you're listening, write a goal down, write something that you want down in the next 30 days. And hopefully when we're talking, I can help give some behavioral change strategies for that and see if that would work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, that's really essential, um, that writing down thing, especially because it provides you with some clarity. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people come to me, you know, they're like, oh, I have no idea why my dating life isn't working. Half of them don't want relationships. They, mm, they, really? they don't. They want to work on other things. Yeah, because, <clears throat> because their relationships either haven't worked and damaged their trust and they're unhappy, you know, they're unhappy with, where they are. And so we, we adjust there and then they, they find this new level of happiness and then they want to add someone in to sort of complement that. But it's this whole sort of more, you know, people often don't know exactly what it is that they want. And it's really hard to achieve something that you can identify.
1: Well, it's a really interesting point. It brings up a lot of different conversations I've had with people. Um, and we can often push relationships away because we we're either not in a space where we're going to be attracting the person we want. So anyone that comes in, they suck or they're not a good yes. fit, right? I've been there. I remember it just looks I like it's really what's happening. It looks like
0: you're a victim of it. Just like, oh no, I just keep attracting these women. I don't know why. It's like, oh, there's a reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I was there. I was dating um, on app. I was doing the dating apps. I was going out all the time. And I, I I like had some really ridiculous dates. And then I ended up stopping. I I, I said... This is not whatever I'm putting out is not working. It's this whole dating, like interview process. I hated it and I must have come across as hating it. Yeah. You know, and getting meeting these people are just ridiculous. And, and they probably thought I was ridiculous. Fair enough. You know, they probably thought this girl's whack. <laughs> um, you know, and I, th- I, I think that again, when you come back to self awareness, it's like, wait, hold on. Take, I would say create a gap. If you're not getting a result you want, just take, take create a gap between your impulse to just get on the app again and then don't get on the app again. where the gap in a behavioral analysis brilliant. And then you could just assess, you know, maybe I'm just going to take a week off from getting on these apps and help myself recalibrate before I go on another date. You know, this it's a way of, of making conscious choices. Um, so you all know the habits you're repeating. I did certainly. I created a 6-month gap. I didn't date for 6 months. February, my birthday, 2015, I went to London in June, so maybe four months, ended up bumping into my future husband in a pub, you know, and I just was totally available for it. I wasn't even looking, and poor guy, I mean, I was, like he was probably like, wait, because <laughs> I was so not looking that um, I just I just showed up mode. myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was I wasn't there for an interview. I was just there to be like,
0: what's up? Or, are we gonna click in? Or no? Or so you know, wait, Yes, that's the that's the state that we that. We get people into, and when they're able to come from that place, all of a sudden you're so much more attractive. It's so effortless and fun because you're actually enjoying yourself. What you just said was so great. It's like you're doing the interview process and you hated it. Like that's how how are you going to attract anybody when you're literally doing something that you hate? Like that that radiates mm-hmm. from you. That's actually such. A, I've never actually put it in that clear of a terms. Like if you hate what you're doing, then that's not gonna. And the creating the gap. I mean, yeah, stop doing what isn't working. I think it's just, 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 just
1: it's anxious off. energy. And I was anxious doing it because I thought if I, do, if I had the story, and this is the mindset, if I don't get out there, how am I supposed to meet someone? So I had a, a false metric of success, which was the more dates I have, the more probability da, 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 uh, that I will meet somebody. Yep. And if, if you're listening to this, please I hope you are having some breakthroughs because it's a That's shitty metric a of success. Yes. It's not, true. It's not quality. So you're showing up with quantity in mind when when the quality, it just I believe it just gets dropped in front of you because you're available only for quality, not the next date I have five more scheduled later this week. Yeah. Yes. So it's like the, my metric, I had to just I just pulled way back. It's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go hit golf balls, drink some beer. I would go to the driving range, hit golf balls, <laughs> you know, not around my target audience at all. Um, it'd be like old white men in Washington, DC being like, wow, lady, you could hit pretty far. And, um, I just, then I just, I just kind of, I think I was in the space for it, but you're right. It, it is an interesting way to look at it, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It creates a whole different, uh, it creates a whole different actual vibration, um, which is a word that I avoided for a long time because I heard a lot of people use it that I, you know, were I don't know if they're using it correctly or not, but like, that's, that's the actual lived version of the, of, of shifting your vibration of like, I'm just, I'm actually just going to have fun. Not telling yourself you're going to have fun and still carrying the anxiety, but like genuinely letting go of the conflict. And also in your field that actually creates space in your energy field that creates room for what you want to come while you're holding on to shit that isn't working in your life there. And you know, you know this from clients as well. Um, it's like, it's just, there's, there's no space. There's, there's literally no room. Um, and I, I had a, a client I was just having this conversation with actually, and he he's just brilliant. He, we explained, and when he had one session with me, we figured out why he was still single, what he needed to do to fix it, and I gave him like a a, a layout, right? So this is in an hour, and uh, he, gets, he gets this layout, and then at the end he sort of goes, "Okay, well," I was like, "All right, is all that clear? Do you know what to do?" He's like, "Yeah, it's just gotta, I know, I just gotta do it now, right?" And I was like, "Stop." Stop right there, <laughs> because that's what you're doing wrong. And I pointed it out because he was he was about to keep sabotaging and being like, "Of course I can talk about," it, but there's the doubt. His issue was doubt, and so I was like, "There's a doubt again." So that's in the moment where you switch that around. And his whole exercise was to like consider the possibility. And it seems like such a silly thing. I don't know if you've ever done this. You've probably done it at least in a different form um, of like considering the possibility. Like I don't know, what if this did work? I don't know. What if? What if? you know, you actually had the business that you really wanted. What if you actually had the success level? And it causes you to contemplate it. And to do that, like you're, there's a whole shift in your system. And suddenly there's like, like a little little crack of possibility. And then, and then there's, there's room. There's room all of a sudden for it to even exist. Because before that... Maybe it's the
1: theme of this call. It's just that gap. It's like yes, like that, that space. And you brought up sabotage. And I love sabotage work. Uh, Carolyn Miss. You go M Y S S Carolyn Miss. She has um, a great course on the saboteur archetype. We all have an inner saboteur. Every person on the planet mm-hmm. has these four archetypes. One of them is a saboteur. We also have an inner child. Mm-hmm. We also have a victim, and we got a real cool one called the prostitute. Okay, mm-hmm. and that one's basically how much can I buy my? Can I buy you for? Mm-hmm. How much can I sell myself, my integrity, to go work in a company where I'm uh, doing things that are corrupt? And how much would you pay me? To do something, and the prostitute teaches us faith mm-hmm. to take the leap of faith to do something that's scary or unknown, but it follows and honors who we are, mm-hmm. so we don't have to sell parts of ourselves to something. Okay, the saboteur archetype is all about how much change we're willing to create in our life. So the saboteur is about I create um, I create too much change or too little change. So, for example, if you're sabotaging yourself with too much change. You're changing too much and there's no depth to what you're doing. Yep. So you go to school for, for architecture and then that doesn't really work. So you want to go yachting for the year, but you don't really like yachting. So you're going to go back to, you know, uh, you're going to try to be a doctor and um, you can't create a, that engine of success because nothing's ever, you're not sticking to anything. We all know people like that, or maybe that's the way you sabotage yourself mm-hmm. you to changing too much or you're never staying on a date long enough and really dating someone that you might like because you're afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So you're sabotaging a relationship by just constantly changing partners. The other one is not enough change. So if I'm sabotaging myself, then I'm in my head waiting, like this guy, but not going to do it. So he's not taking enough of a chance. So he's sabotaging his ability to get in front of that right partner by not to create, causing enough change. And so... If you just think about the saboteur, it's like, am I doing too much or too little? And then how do I come a bit more in balance? And I'm curious to know what you come across, Dominique, if you've seen that happen before and what people have done to change that.
0: I love that. That's, I haven't heard of her work before, but I, I think those archetypes are really interesting. And as you were th- th- uh, speaking, I was thinking, I work almost entirely with the saboteur. Because in my experience, if you get out of your own way, way opens and you can just, you can achieve what you want. There actually isn't a whole lot more to do um, necessarily. There's certainly other other ways to approach by all means. Um, and I was thinking also that the people who come to me tend to be the ones who don't change enough. Um, because oh. I tend to have this kind of energy of like, all right, get your shit going. Right? And so the people who like that are people who have a hard time getting their shit going. And they're like, oh, they're, they sort of like, you know, kind of like hitch on to my like motivation or like momentum. And they, and they use that. Um, and people who, uh, who have the other, the opposite problem are probably more attracted to working with a coach who's a little bit like calmer and a little bit more like, okay, like, yeah. Although I guess i focus a lot on depth. So I don't know, maybe that's not true. That's just sort of what I was thinking when I was saying it, but that's sort of, um, that's a fascinating thing though. And the amount of change, the allowing for change, considering change, you know,
1: I I imagine I I, I was a lot, lot, right? Yeah. I was kind of like filling my calendar of trying to get the quantity, trying that my metric of success was if I meet enough people, I might meet that person.
0: The phrase I always um, hear, have you heard this? It's a numbers game. That's what they'll say. Yeah, it's well, a, numbers you know, a numbers game. Well, you know, dating a numbers game. It's not though. It's, it's one person. Really percent. not. It's one person. That's what I always say. You only need to wait, meet one person. <laughs>
1: like it's not. Well, imagine getting on a date with someone where it's a numbers game or on a date with someone who's totally unattached to the outcome. Yeah? And, and I think this, the saboteur is interesting for your clients or potentially people listening if they're not creating enough change. You could just also write down what are the things you've been avoiding doing. You know, in conflict resolution, of, of the avoidance style of conflict is perfect, but not if it's a dysfunctional avoidance, meaning mm-hmm. you're delaying and it doesn't serve your needs or yep. anyone else's needs. Because yep. if you're delaying, you're not serving your life partner's needs by not getting out there either because they mm-hmm. can't find you either. So it actually, it's, um, it doesn't serve anyone. So, you know, you could think about, well, what have I been putting off or what if Dominique say five podcasts ago that I thought maybe I should try that and you haven't. It's just putting, putting some things down and getting engines spinning in new directions, not a lot, but just enough to just get out there um, and be able to create some change. And so for me, my change was to stop all the quantity. So that was a bit of f- fearful and people, the saboteur archetype, it's because there's fear. Hmm. I'm afraid if I change what I'm doing, what, what might, the worst possible scenario might happen. Yeah. So if I don't yeah. do the serial dating or if I get out there, I'm going to look stupid. So I'd rather just stay home. So there's always a fear underneath that. And you just, honestly, you got all you, y'all listening, like whatever you're doing now, just pivot a little bit you know, and, and just see what happens because that saboteur quiets down and you gain more confidence from it. But if we delay, it, nothing will change.
0: Yeah. I phrased it as the, um, in, my, in my coach, uh, my program I work a lot with this. do you know the, the story of the black wolf and the white wolf? No. So, so the way it goes, this is one of my favorite things. Um, the way it goes is, I always picture it in sort of Native American times. So there's an old wise man and his young grandson sitting by the fire and the old wise man says, um, inside two of us, there are, is all of us, there are two wolves. There is a black wolf, which represents fear and separation and, um, and negativity. And then there is a white wolf, which represents love and light and hope. And they are always fighting. And the little boy says, but grandpa, which one wins? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. And so, I used that as a way of of framing the work. Okay, in every moment, you have an option. And what you just said reminded me of that so strongly. Um, You said the saboteur quiets down. It quiets down when you put your energy on the other thing gradually, because you got some momentum and inertia. But the more the more you choose what you quote know is good for you, or what you you know the discomfort wherever whatever is a growth for you, right? Whenever you choose that, the other one eventually weakens. You're also—it's also because you're creating new synapses uh, in your brain, right? New new neural pathways that are not new synapses. You're creating new neural pathways in your brain, new ways of thinking. You're breaking the habit. That's how you break a habit, right? And so, um, and so, it's it's that moment of like, what do you choose in this moment? Uh, You might look stupid. You're absolutely right. Okay, I'm just gonna try it. Right. And you create those little, like little opportunities for it to start going the direction you want. I mean, you work with people with success, right, in business a whole lot. So I imagine this has got to be, you know, the, the, the fear has got to be there as well. Um, what do you find that they tend to, um, that they tend to have as far as um, not just self sabotage, but, but really, you know, fear and holding yourself back in that area?
1: There's so many. That's I mean, probably a whole wide question.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question, though. I mean, what do you do? You know there is there is fear, and I love Wayne Dyer because he talks about that he's worked so much on himself that he no longer has that stuff in him. Mm-hmm. And what he means by the stuff is the anger, the the fear, the resentment. He said, "I I just don't have it in me anymore." Um, I would uh, I would wonder if he would argue if his wolf, the, you know the black wolf is is there or not, or maybe it's just. Totally it may
0: just be on. atrophied in the, in the corner. It may yes. just be, yeah. In the corner. Is that, you did know, you find that to be the case for you as well?
1: You know, I started doing a lot of my inner work uh, 15 years ago when I was mm-hmm. 19. Um, I, my parents had divorced when I was 17. We grew up on welfare most of my life and we had free and reduced lunches at school. I had like vouchers to pay for college because we couldn't afford the $75 fee and I was joked that I was an entrepreneur starting at age 12 because I would go walk and knock on the doors of the houses around me to ask for, like if anyone needed a babysitter, I was 12 and I got babysitting gigs. I like made money. Um, but it was, it was just, it was, there was a lot that happened. And when I was 19, I developed um, an eating disorder and it was like the darkest time of my life. I mean, I, um, I, I had an eating disorder. I was drinking way too much. I was really angry um, I was dreaming of tornadoes literally every night, It's not a good wow. sign, like meaning complete chaos and out of control. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, anyways, I bumped into a spiritual director and I knew nothing about spirituality at all. I mean, I thought it was voodoo. It was ridiculous. And she just, she just had a moment. She was the first and only person I told I had an eating disorder. And for five years, like, because she was psychic and she just knew, like, I knew that she knew. So I just told her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was. I told her, and and she, we did a session, and I remember walking out of her house, and right before I, um, I left, she turned me around. She goes, "Tracy, you know, I can't heal you. I'm a really good healer. I can give you nutrition, give you the, you know, like what we talk about in coaching or any of the words. Like, you know, I could really be there for you. But if you leave this door and then you go and binge and you go and drink too much and you talk really mean to yourself and you're critical." And then you walk back into my house. I can't, there's nothing I can do. And she said, you're going to heal yourself if you want to do it. And at that moment, I realized I had power to change my life hmm. if I wanted to do the work. I was, no one was going to heal this thing and no one was going to drag me into outpatient. No one was going to give me medicine or therapy. So I didn't know where else to go because in the Western society, there, there's no other way of dealing with these things. And yeah. So I just feel so blessed to have someone say, Tracy, you're going to do it yourself, but I can help you. Yeah. You know, I can help you walk through this if you want to. And I think what we do, Dominie is so, I feel it's so sacred, to be honest. It's so sacred. It's so sacred. Because so we're cool. It's you know, so sacred you we possibly do. Yeah. But they walk out of our rooms and they do the work and the people listening, like you have, like, I'm giving it back to you, like. If you want it, if you want that great partner and everything, like come and join all of us we have done the work and you can have it. You just have to go for it and just say, I'm going to start to change myself first. And then my external environment will take care of itself. Like it is always inner before the outer and the invisible work before the visible work. I mean, what do you, what do
0: you see in your work, Domini related to that? Oh, it's just, you're just, that's just spot on. I'm spot on. That's why I don't teach dating tips and tricks because you don't have any dating issues. You know, nobody has dating issues. They have other issues that are showing up. So I just, I go straight to the source. And you probably find this out oh, of your client. You have all, all the other issues, but you don't have a problem with women. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah. It really yeah. is that way. That is that's yeah, the- If I'm anxious,
1: I'm just anxious. It doesn't really matter.
0: Yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. There's, there's no dating specific issue I've ever... Dealt with, you know, every once in a while they're like, So, what would be a good way to approach something like that? But, but that's, but if they're struggling with approach, their issue is fear or fear of rejection or self confidence or self esteem or something like that. We, have, we, you, you, you nail those issues and you know, you can approach whether you have the right words in your head or not. Um, I love that your story, that's cool. most well, of the time, you don't, but like, the, the
1: person hell? that's going to be your person is going to laugh and be like, Think it's the coolest thing you've ever yeah, said, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that the point though? It's the point is that you're just showing up. You're like, oh man, I totally, totally messed that up. And it's like, that's weird. And you just laugh through it. And if you're both in, in um, that place, I, I don't even have the right words, but if you're just both available for it, you just and you're just up. both are having fun, yep. you're going to see each other again tomorrow. It's yep. just going to happen. It's not going to be, because if you try to say the right thing, I'll sense that. Women, you know, or depending on who you're dating, women, we know to so don't try to yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just be silly. And it adds pressure. It adds pressure on you. Now there's words you have to remember. You're already terrified because women are terrifying. Like I know, I, I, I hear you on that. Uh, and, and so you're, you're showing up and you're like, oh God, I'm, I'm risking this whole thing. It's, it's unnecessary, unnecessary pressure. Yeah. I just like when people are nice to me. I mean, yeah. it's really like simple sauce guys, you know? And people are, people I mean, are guys are really concerned about like complimenting women <clears throat> or approaching women, not well, even like for a date, but like in the gym, they're like, oh, I, women don't want to be bothered. Oh, I'm going to come off as creepy. Oh, I'm going to, this is huge. I hear this a lot actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but where are they getting that from? How come they're saying that to themselves? Well, there are some women, I think, who actually who are, are pretty cruel. I, I have, I have... Uh, I've, I've seen women be really unkind. A lot lot of, um, probably because men tend, men tend to be after them. Uh, a lot of like, um, entitlement and self-aggrandizement, very falsely so, um, that cause them to be cruel when a man, you know, will sort of walk up and be like, oh wow, you're really beautiful. I mean, I just, my God. Please come say that to yeah. me. That would make my day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> but but women don't. Some women don't react that way. But that's not. Yes, that can well, happen. Need empathy. If they if
1: these if they're listening and you're a guy and you've experienced that, rather than feeling even the victim, right? The victim inside of us that we all have as an archetype, mm-hmm. we feel worse. We feel like a victim. Like and we can take that anger that she's pushing onto us as that we're bad. So we victimize and then we, then therefore you yes. don't show up with your magic because someone said something to you a couple of years ago. Yep. You're carrying that, you're anchoring that down. Yep. If you could use empathy, there's emotional empathy and mental empathy. So mental empathy is, I can understand why she thought that. So, you know, go back to that person who said that to you. Could Maybe could you understand why she might've said that? If, well, you are the 10th person to go up to her that day and say she looked beautiful and she just feels harassed. I don't know. But it, um, she reacted in a way where maybe she just wants a drink with her friends and, you know, or she's having a bad day. The mental empathy is like, not to make up other stories, but just try to contextualize that we don't know what that person went through. Mm-hmm. Can we maybe understand? And emotional empathy is I can um, emotionally understand she might be, ha- you know, or how she's feeling. Yeah. Um, I, would, I, I would get approached a lot by guys all the time. And sometimes, like, I would just have to hold it together, but don't be a fucking bitch. Like, mm. I'm a really nice person. And some, I remember, like, not dating because I just, I didn't like how people would come up to me as if they were entitled. Mm. So I almost kind of projected the entitlement on them when yeah. they were probably just a really nice guy. Yeah. It takes a lot of emotional stability to handle
0: that situation. So I don't, what do you think about empathy and? Using that as a tool for dating, I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, and and you're absolutely right. There's there's obviously certainly two sides, and I, I felt that as you said that, like I had to like hold it together and be like, don't you know, don't be a bitch to this guy. Um, but but you're in that place, aren't you? Like there's 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 that side as well. There was a piece. of I that get I a lot of creepy guys,
1: guys, and I'm just like, could
0: you? you? Fuck
1: off? Like, well, not actually in London. I I've I've gotten catcalled twice in four and a half years, almost five years. There is no culture of cat calling here um, or harassment in Washington, D.C. all the time. Really? I would walk from my house to the fucking coffee store. Whistles, yelling, beeping. And I would just wear headphones. I'd wear my big headphones just so I wouldn't have to listen to the crap. And that was just like on a Saturday, you know, i as well go to church. So you guys? You guys don't know what this woman has walked through if you're dating whoever you're dating. Yeah. Um, you don't know what she's walked through. So if you could just, um, sense into that, then that's why when you show up actually genuinely for fun, it's a, not going to hurt as much if she's like, you know, like I'm not really interested in talking. Or you might be the first person who hasn't said something rude or offensive, or you just seem actually genuine
0: yeah. rather than eating something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you show up with that genuineness and you still get a negative reaction, like feel free to let her, like that's her, that's her story because who knows what she's carrying. You know, yeah. like I wasn't 100%. carrying that because I didn't grow up hot. Like that didn't happen to me. Nobody, no, I'd never got that kind of attention. Um, yeah. And through, yeah. through doing a, a lot of this work, my physical body changed and I started radiating a lot more and just all of a sudden people started reacting to me very differently. So I see it as a very positive thing. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. That's so awesome. You know, but if I'd been go- going through it since I was nine, you know, probably not. Um so, so yeah, so there's, a, there's an element of, like, as you said, reading the situation, feeling into it, and also, like, letting her, um, A, set her boundary, obviously, but also letting her, like, keep her stuff. If she's got issues around it, ugh, I hate my beauty because I'm da-da-da. That's, that's what she's going through. You hate your something or other for some other reason. So, like, don't take on their stuff, you know? And also them, don't not genuine. approach pretty women because you think that they get approached yes. all the time. So this exactly. is the other thing mm-hmm. is that...
1: What is it called? Like bystander bias where there's a crime and five people witness they've done this in Kitty Genovese, a terrible case in New York City. I won't repeat it, it's horrible. Just Google it. Mm. Horrible case where this woman, anyways, terrible things happen. And like ten people witnessed it, but no one called the police. And then they in psychology, they've dubbed it as a bystander bias because we all think. Dominique's gonna call the police I don't oh to. wow mm-hmm. you know, that guy over there witnesses, he'll definitely call yep so yep. we we can um we can think oh she's gorgeous so then i'm not gonna approach her and so i also know a lot of pretty women who never get approached because people are afraid to approach her yep. she's like what's wrong with me yep. <laughs> so i would say also approach her you might as well try because maybe your genuineness, and you're like, you know what, Tracy told me just to go for it. Yes, you will also just like, uh, like she just also wants a, a soulmate, hopefully, who's gonna just get her and not see her outer shell, you know, and just see like want to know who she is. And sometimes, you know, we all know that outer shell is just deception, anyways, and it doesn't mean anything. So who we are, ninety nine percent you can't touch it, you can't smell who we are, you can't taste who we are. It, it's um, it's beyond. So. That was also my advice to counteract the negative of approaches. We'll just try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Try and come from that genuine place. And and if you come from that genuine place, that negates all the complexity that we just dived into. It was funny. We're starting talking about this. I'm like, see, this, this is why I don't go too far into the, the, the logistics of the dating, because you can't possibly know who that person is. And it's none of your damn business until she shows an interest in you and she's in your life. Right. So all you can accept to be to be respectful, and if a boundary is set, to respect that boundary. Other than that, it's not your job to like not you know to figure out if she likes if you're creepy or if she thinks you're creepy or if this person likes creepy people. Or don't. It's like you can't possibly know that because that involves her life experience and perspective, which you don't know yet. So clear your own shit out. Right. Look at your own patterns. If you know, 50 women in a row all mention the word creepy, then you may want to like, look at what you're carrying around that they're feeling into that you may not realize you're putting out. Great. Tracy, and I will help you You can with
1: that. then ask some people for try to get some honest feedback and yes. see your, what your blind spots are. It's like working with you, you know, someone that's can be heart centered, but give honest feedback. Like my coach tells me how it is. And like, she does it gently and like, she kind of just brings it in the back door and, she says, Oh, here's this pattern again. And I'm like, Damn it, Marie. She yes. Oh, that's um, a pattern. Yeah. But it's, we all have them. I have patterns. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that a relationship is just about relating. Yes. It's just about, uh, do I relate to someone? Yes. Are you relating or not? You know, are you clicking in? That's the only thing. It's like, do, and don't, I don't care what this person, do I feel it? Like, am I relating to this person, and, and stop making it about them? Yes. Like, you have to, you have to know what your needs are. You have to know, like, do, are you enjoying yourself? You know, are you having a good time? Mm-hmm. Or if you're, are you relating to her, or she boring? So she might be really pretty, but if you're not relating, it's also okay to like, you know, pay for not the drinks, yeah. do, and like treat her very nicely and move on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I think that's we have we have to relate. We have relational problems because, you know, if we're having a hard time with our kids, for example, it's not about the kid's behavior. This, there's so much like uh, Gabor Mate talks a lot about this M-A-T-E with an accent. Gabor yeah. Mate. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with him. He does a, a ton of work on um, addiction and attachment. Oh. And, um, and he talks about, it's not that our children have behavioral problems. We have a relationship problem with our child. Yes. There's a, there's a, a problem with how we're relating to them. Yes. And so like with dating, there's not a problem with your behavior. That, you know, like in and of itself, it's about how you're relating to the person and is it working? You know, I didn't relate to, I don't know how many guys have dated, my this day, until I found my, my husband. Mm. It was like a relating issue. I was relating, not relating really, not quite relating. And then eventually it's like, oh my God, Chris and I like, literally talk to each other for hours still every day. And we've been together for five years. We're best friends. You know, we had a relationship. We related very well. So what do you think about relating and, and what you do, Dominique? I'd love to hear it.
0: Well, I'm curious also about the, the relationship with, with self. So relating to self and then how that mirrors and relating to others, including our, our children. The, the, what I've seen in, in our generation, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, is that is, is people... My age, refusing to say no to their children, like they don't want to discipline their like discipline now equals abuse somehow in in American culture, which is really damaging for children because they they need to have like there's a reason why discipline is is, is a thing. It's necessary. You need to have boundaries. They learn a lot of things, a lot of things, and if you don't hold those boundaries correctly, then that's um, that'll end up being a, a wounding that will go that will go through their life. But I I, I see people like relating in a sense of like a fear of relating, a fear of standing in their power with their kids, which doesn't take a lot if you actually stand in your power. It doesn't take a lot, you know. Children are, are are very small, and if you're consistent with them, like, you know, you don't need to use a lot of a lot of force. Um, but there, but there, and there is this this way of needing to needing to be the authority so that they feel safe and 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 held, right? And like you, you yeah. got me. And if you don't, it's That's like a, they seem to be afraid one-year-old. to do that.
1: We have a one-year-old and Chris and I really think about my husband. And I think really about like, what are those boundaries? What can he understand developmentally as well? And, you know, um, we have certain things in the house that he can't touch. Mm-hmm. He can't go near the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um, he cannot go near the trash cans. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? I mean, I'm telling you, there's like three things yeah. that he just can't touch. Yeah. Up t- the toilet. I taught him, actually, he knows how to put the seat down, which is incredible. Um, it, and that's it. He, so we have a house and people come over and say, I can't believe you haven't guarded up your fireplace. And I said, but he doesn't go into it. So why would we have to do that? I can have a candle in there and he won't go in there. Oh, great and that. it's just about consistency and a couple things so that he trusts that it's just a note. He doesn't cry. He's never cried about being corrected. Um, and he doesn't go there. And he doesn't touch the trash and take the plastic with the chicken, whatever on it, you know, the sauce. And he just doesn't go near it. So you, Gabor Mate talks about this. Like, read the book. Um, uh, there's a book on attachment for parents. Um, but but the, the thing is, is that if I love Carolyn Miss, she talks about compromises. Compromises are great. Like, oh, I'll give you this. It doesn't really matter. Or I'll compromise this. Like a little this for a little that. But if it's a compromise to our sense of self and we're betraying ourselves, we cannot compromise. It's about you have to know that this has gone too far, yep. and that is where a boundary is. It's um, it's a clear no that that this that's that comment is not funny. Yeah, that's a boundary. You know yeah. that, and this is why. Yeah, um, and so I think in you know if we bring it back to dating or um anything, you you first have to know where you stand morally, ethically, how you feel. And then it's about communication and listening. So, you know, if someone says something once, like I honestly give people the benefit of the doubt. I imagine that their intention was pure, but their impact is getting me a little weird. Mm -hmm. And I might kind of talk about why that doesn't feel right. I do that Mm -hmm. all the time with Chris, all the time. He says something, he's German, I'm American. We have two different viewpoints. We've been raised differently, you know, it sounds all romantic, but it's a, we have, you know, just so many dynamics where <laughs> I taught him about the Kool-Aid man the other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Very like, important. Kool-Aid yeah. man, like, <laughs> come on, he goes through the brick wall, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a relating part. But yeah, I'm, I'm going on a tangent, but I think no is just as empowerful, powerful as the yes.
0: Oh, but essential. You have to know what it is. Essential. My life changed so much when I learned that because I was such a people pleaser before like I would just i just wouldn't say no, I just didn't even I, cause, because and I, I realized why because I, I did some digging, I also started at nineteen, which is interesting, and I started doing um uh, realizing that I was saying no that if i um have a um, if i have uh, if I say no, that means i don't love you that's what I realized the, um, the 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 issue was around, and when I realized that I could say no and i wouldn't need to you know, oh, I can still love you and still essentially love myself because the answer for me is clearly no. Um, not betraying yourself. Not betraying yourself. That's exactly it. It's it was huge. It's my, big whole, my, it's whole my whole world you. changed. Whole world changed. But it's essential. But if I
1: don't know that you're, you don't eat cheese, and you, you know, it's like, if you don't have, if you're not clear with your needs, I don't know you. So the no also allows me in to know who you are. Boom. So I can't know you if I don't, if I, if the no is like, no, I'm not drinking tonight, you know, or no, I don't, I don't drink anymore. You know, there, there's, the, those are the obvious things, but the, but the people pleasing as well is I want you to like me, but they,
0: who are they liking then They don't yeah. like who's me. Cause you're hiding yeah. yourself. Cause you're not even letting that person see him. And you're actually and trying to start a relationship people. in this way. Yes. Comes back to you, man. You know, and
1: you're responsible that this person doesn't know you. And there's Again, Joe Dispenza talks about the gap between who we present to the world and who we really are. And the more we present the thing we think other people want, there's such a gap. And then you go home and feel shit. Yep. Because you're like, does she really like me? Or does she like the fact that I have this car and I'm just like buying all the drinks for everyone even though I don't have the money? Blah, 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 blah. Yep. It's like stripping back. And it's not that hard. I don't want to make this stuff hard, but it's a, it's, a, it's why we're here on earth. Yes. We're here to grow.
0: Yeah. Genuinely, literally, on every level, why we're here on Earth. Yeah, but it's the best part. I I'm glad it. I'm not the same 15 years ago, right? You too. Oh my God, are you kidding? i I thrive on growth. Like I feed on it. It's like it's like nutrition for me. Like if I if it stops it or it sort of slows down. In fact, I I got to the point where that was a distortion too. I had to like got kind of like addicted to like the, the process work and the changing something. I'd be like, also, you need to like, just let yourself be. So that was like the next level of growth. See, never, never, <laughs> never, it never goes down. I love that so much. That's so fantastic. Um, it needs to, it, it, people cannot feel you if you are not being authentic with them. And then you're trying to get a relationship with somebody who is not quite you. That is... Well, courage.
1: Uh, well, courage is the first elevated emotion. It tips. When we tip into an elevated state of emotion, rather than fear and shame and guilt are quite, um, um, again, a lower ener- energy, lower vibration. And they can, they can um, sense that on your body or electromagnetic field. Yep. People in fear or shame are actually smaller and their energy's in, whereas if you're up in courage or love or joy, you're emanating higher mm-hmm. out.
0: Radiating light. Okay. Yeah, People can feel you more.
1: Mm-hmm. People, people feel me all the time. That's why I wear my headphones. No, it is. I was like, I do so much spiritual work. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I would just say, and I, and I know we're coming to a close here as well, is that courage, if you could just reach for the emotion of courage and write it down before you go on a date or um, put it down somewhere, I'm going to have courage. What would, what would courage look like? What would it that feel like? Actually, yep. I can feel my energy shift saying yep. the word. Yep, Courage is just a boom. You don't have to be like perfect, all elevated emotion, just have some courage in, in the process.
0: That, that will start to, to spin in the way that you want it. I love it. Nailing it. Fantastic. Uh, Tracy, thank you so much. This is so much fun. I loved chatting with you. Um, so tell me where, uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to work with you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, thank you, first of all, for having me. Of I would course. be happy if anyone wanted to even just ask me a question, send me an inquiry. It does not need to be for services. If it is, great. But if you just want to say, hey, what's up? You heard this. I'd love to just know. Awesome. Um, So my website's tracylive.com, T-R-A-C-E-Y-L-I-V.com. Or you can find me on Tracy underscore live on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Um, I post regular video content. It's all synergistic to what we're talking about, whether I'm explicitly talking about relationships or something else. Everything I shared today is stuff I talk about on my channel. Um, So reach out to me if you want to book an intro call. Um, I do thirty-minute calls with people. Just no sales. Just like actually meeting, seeing how we're a fit. If there's something that you need, or you just want to say hi and collaborate, um, that's the best way. Maybe they contact you, Domini, as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you uh, forget any of that, or if you you want to know, you know, want to reach her through me, feel free to reach out and ask for her information. I absolutely uh, condone working with her because she is fabulous. And as we said, there's a lot of BS in our fields. So when I find somebody fabulous, I really put it out there that like, this is someone who can actually help you to do what you want to do. Awesome. Tracy, thank thank you you so much. I just, I adore you. You're wonderful. And uh, this was super, super nourishing for me. Thank you. Good. Thank you. My pleasure. Talk soon.